I think the biggest thing right now is just more people willing to suck. There's so many times you'll see people not sign up for a contest or an event because they don't think they can do that in eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. We don't get in this to make money by any means. We take a loss on every single event that we do, but it's to grow the sport at the end of the day. And it needs people in order to do that. So it's okay to suck. It's okay to zero an event. It's one out of the five or one out of the four. And I think if more people were more open to let's just see how it goes versus like, I have to be able to nail every single thing before I sign up. I think it would make the sport even better. Welcome to the Barben Podcast, where we talk to the smartest athletes, coaches, and minds from around the world of strength. I'm your host, David Thomas Tao, and this podcast is presented by barbend.com. We're going back to back this week and talking to yet another elite strong woman athlete. Hannah Coldiron is the world's seventh strongest woman under 64 kilograms, a result she's looking to better heading into this year's world championships. Hannah juggles multiple jobs, including a full-time job completely separate from the sport. And she also got her start in CrossFit, which is a bit unusual for a top strongman or strong woman competitor. Hannah walks us through training, learning the sport, and what it's like to be a top competitor in one of strong women's lighter weight classes. So if you're not an absolute behemoth and you're still interested in competing in the sport of strongman or strong woman, it's always good to hear from some of the lighter body weight competitors. Hannah brings that great perspective, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get to it. Hannah, thanks so much for joining us today. We were waxing poetic a little bit before we started recording about the history of strength content and all that stuff, but here we are. We're recording. People can hear. For those who don't know, who are you? What do you do? Why the heck are you on this podcast? <laughs> well, my name's Hannah Coldiron. I compete in Strongman. I'm also a contest promoter for Strongman Corp. Okay. Easy enough. So you eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff, basically. Yeah, basically. Well, unless I'm cutting, it's a lot less eating, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Sleeping, breathing, fasted cardio, this stuff, basically. Exactly. So how did, how did you get... So this sport is your profession in that you compete, but you also are on the event organization side of it, contest promotion side. How did you first get into the sport of strongman, strongwoman? And actually, did you do anything else in strength before that? Yeah. So I actually did CrossFit um, beforehand. I did that for like six, seven years. Um, same gym for like the, the longest time. And then I met my now boyfriend uh, a little over three years ago. And he was like, hey, you should try Strongman. Muscle ups aren't in there. It's probably gonna be more your speed. And I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. I'm, I thought I was going to the games. I was like the next Brooke Wells. But started Strongman, fell in love with it. And now I don't miss anything about CrossFit, <laughs> except for the hour long workout. I do miss that. But other than that... <laughs> Hour long, meaning you're in and out in an hour. Yeah, not, in not, and out in an hour. <laughs> God, not the hour long Metcon. Yeah, if you could complete like a full event day in under an hour, I don't think anyone in the sport of strongman's ever complete completed that in under like four hours. No, I've yeah, like my boyfriend makes fun of me all the time. It takes me five hours to do three events. That's pretty regular. <laughs> that's yeah, that's about at pace. That seems like a, a fairly quick day. The transition from CrossFit to strongman. You're actually the second person I've talked to about this. Rob Kearney actually transitioned from CrossFit to strongman. Worked out pretty well for him. What was that transition like for you? Were you immediately hooked or was it like a more of a gradual start doing a little less CrossFit, a little more strongman, and it like took a few months to where until you were completely converted? 
Yeah, it was pretty gradual. Uh, I didn't want to let go of CrossFit. I thought I would lose my shape and I would gain a lot of weight because I wasn't doing ridiculous amounts of cardio in a session of sort of, in a day. But the more and more I started hanging out with strongman or people that did strongman, the more and more it was easy to let go of the past and still find that like group fitness camaraderie in like a strongman Saturday. So I got like to work out on my own and then still do a group style training as well. So are you saying you prefer the social? group in strongman to the crossfit social group <laughs> uh yes for sure um i mean i work remote i work from home or our gym and so i don't get a ton of social interaction outside of that so when i get to the gym it's pretty much social four or five hours <laughs> okay fair. what what didn't you like about the crossfit community this this is going to be a question that's going to get me in trouble but go for it no the the only things that um well at least for me is CrossFit brings people together in a really nice way. What I foresaw is like the clickiness aspect of like the top elite lifters would always hang out with one another. And if you were new, it's like you couldn't really hang with them or run with them because they were RX people, you know. Um, and strongman, I feel like everyone's just going to help everyone mm. no matter what. And I, I really, really like that aspect of it. It definitely takes a village because you can't fully train in the sport of strongman by yourself it's almost impossible unless mm -hmm. you have like assistants or helpers or you like hire someone to help you set everything up right or you have to have a pit crew <laughs> basically yeah yeah nascar has nothing on strong no, chips no <laughs> okay let's talk about your competition history so did you compete in crossfit like or were you just yeah i did I, I wasn't very good um the highest level competition i did was uh like the fittest experience that you had a qualify for in Texas. Um, and after that, that kind of like sealed the deal for me that I wasn't going to go to regionals or the games because this was the highest level I could possibly get. And I still ended up pretty bottom of the barrel <laughs> in that contest. <laughs> Full disclosure, I was not very good then. But now competing in strongman in my first two years, made it to Worlds, ended seventh in the world. Last year, get to go to compete in a little over a month now at Worlds for the second time, uh, and then started promoting contest as well along with it, just to give back to the sport, too. It gives us so much that it's nice to be able to like give back and give other athletes a space to compete. That's really fun. What was your professional, what was your job before you moved to contest promotion? Well, so I still run a full-time job. I still oh, okay. Full -time. Um, I just, it's... My nine to five, I actually work for the Lash Lounge. It's a franchise uh, lash extension company, and I open all the salons around the United States. So I cover all of their opening process, all training, all marketing, all that kind of stuff, getting them open and on their feet. And then my five to nine outside of training is, is promoting these contests and getting more athletes involved in the sport. Um, without my boyfriend, though, I wouldn't be able to do it. He helps a ton. Um, I couldn't do it by myself, that's for sure. Do you drink a lot of coffee? It sounds like you're a very uh, busy person. Um, I literally have a death before decaf tattoo, which is ironic because we're the clothing brand too that we have. But um, yeah, tons of coffee, overly caffeinated, no no sleep. That's pretty much the norm. Yeah, I always wonder. Like there there are a breed of of high level at like I can't perform on no sleep. One could argue that I can't perform at an elite level under yeah. optimal conditions. But if I don't get like eight or nine hours of sleep, then I'm I'm just like barely hanging on by a thread. So uh, how old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'll be 32 next, uh, in November, early November. For Strongman, that's kind of entering the prime of your career, right? I hope. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, I'm seeing more and more girls enter the sport that are like in their late, like early twenties. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have gotten this when I was that age. I mean, I could have been, I don't know, really, really good by now. I'm like kind of good, I guess. (laughs) You still have time. I just, I noticed for CrossFit, the age of elite competitors seems to keep getting younger and younger and younger. Now you have like 17 year olds who are making the podium at the CrossFit game, which is my CrossFit games, which is mind blowing for strongman. I think it takes and maybe powerlifting as well, it takes a little bit longer to build that base of strength. So you see people t- tending to peak like in their 30s, at least. Mm-hmm. That's my that's kind of my passive observation. I'm not basing that on like a proprietary data set or anything like that. Oh, that's all my research. Actually, you're right. I'm going, I'm going into my prime. I'm just going <laughs> to I'm just going to take that in. <laughs> yeah, you'll be like, yeah, the guy from Barbend said actually, uh, based I'm on I'm in nothing. my prime, so he's not wrong, right? <laughs> there you go. Let's talk about what training looks like for you. So you're about a month out. We're recording this in late September, 2022. Uh, you're about a month out from Worlds. What does training look like You know, four or five weeks out from a big competition for you? It's heavy. Um, <laughs> so it's a, a big focus on events, but also a big focus on recovery. So my coach is Sam Beliveau out of Canada, and I've been with her uh, like a year and a half, if not longer than that. She's put up with me for quite some time. And she's really been a huge huge um like oh it all basically to her she's taking me from like a semi okay um lifter to world elite and i mean just by hammering away at all the weaknesses so going into four to five weeks out it's very event focused there's not a lot of extra outside of the events that we're working on i'm not doing any other implements that's not going to be in the contest everything i'm doing is in strict guidelines with that there's ranges there's a lot of reps there's a lot of time under tension um, but this is the time to really like get all the motor skills right and get ready for contest along with cutting down <laughs> oh yeah talk about talk about that you're a weight class athlete so what weight class do you compete at I compete as a 140 or 64 kg. Um, and I usually walk around anywhere from like 152 to 155, normally in my off season. Um, so it's just a slow and steady race to get down um, to water load weight so I can make a pretty easy way in. That's the goal. Yeah. How long, how close do you get to weight and then like the rest of its water weight that you're cutting? I usually get down to about uh, anywhere from 148 to 150. Okay. It's not much, um, but it's, it's not much to actually cut off of me, but it's enough where I can usually get that down in a water load pretty easy. Um, my last one started around 150 and my water cut at 143. So I just had to really sweat off a couple of pounds. Not too bad. In comparison to my first one, it went much, much better. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's something that you get better at with experience because you learn how your body adapts a little yes. bit better. Yeah, my body's sensitive to salt, so I have to be careful with that because my legs like to look like hot dogs afterward. So I just got to be a little careful with some of that stuff. But uh, my coach guides me right through it. You know, if she tells me to do it, I just do it. So whatever's on the sheet, I'm going to do it. Yeah, my coach, when I was weightlifting, used to tell me that if he could just cut off my head, it would make me a better athlete. It'd make me much better. I'd drop a weight class and I'd be much more agreeable. So like... Still working on that, but uh, it took me a while to realize how insulting that was. It was years later where I was like, wait a minute, he really didn't like me. But I wasn't at the world level like you. So that, that, that makes sense. Which events are you most looking forward to, event or events are you most looking forward to at the competition coming up? So it's a little twofold. Now, the contest is three days long, but you only can make it to the third day if you're in the top 10 of your weight class. So there's about 35 
possibly 40 girls I'm going against in mine. I, I haven't counted them all out, but I've just creeped most of them on Instagram. But um, <laughs> about 35, 37 or so girls I'm going against, and I've got to make it in the top 10 to get to day three. The, for, the first two days events that I'm really excited about is the Viking Press. I've never done that in competition before. This is the first time I've prepped for something like that on, on an implement. So that's going to be really cool for me. Uh, and then Sandbag to Shoulder is one of our other events. That got really popular by the CrossFit Games as well. And it's going to be cool to see that on, on, a, on a big scale as, for us to go in a row and not just do one. Um, day three are all my best events. So it is the car yoke where we actually carry a car for 50 feet. Um, Atlas Stone medley where you're going to load higher weights down to lower platforms and then circus dumbbell as there's a circus dumbbell ladder. And that's one of my best events is dumbbell. So you kind of have to eat your vegetables before you get to dessert, dessert being yes, the, three, the exactly. third day here. So the whole goal is to be in that top 10 so I can really have some fun on day three. Which events, and there are so many events in the sport of strongman. Like there's, there's just an, there's an infinite combination of events and implements. It's that's one reason I think a lot of people gravitate toward it because mm -hmm. it doesn't really get boring. Which sort of events or implements are you not as big a fan of? I'm not a big fan of any deadlift from the ground. <laughs> okay, why, why, why is that? Some people have shorter arms. Like some people have different leverages. Some people just don't like it. What's like? It's what's just your... heavy? It's just always. <laughs> Um, so when I, when I came out of CrossFit, I had a very CrossFit style deadlift, meaning I already yelled everything. Mm. So I really had to relearn and, and take some humble pie along with it. I literally stuck at 275 for a year because I just couldn't figure out my form. My back would break down or, you know, it just, it wasn't, I just wasn't doing it right. So I had to like really relearn it. It's, it's becoming a better event for me. Um, but deadlift from the floor is just not as much fun. I do like the elevated versions of the lift. Um, I actually have a national record and an 18 inch deadlift, which I never thought I'd ever have a deadlift record of any sort, but that one's way off the ground and way easier than from the ground. Things I love, though, is like I used to not be a, that great of a presser, but I love any pressing medley. So I love log. I love axle. I'm really excited if those are ever in contest along with Circus Dumbbell. But my CrossFit background really helped out in the moving events. Mm. So I love yoke. I love anything moving related carries. Those are those are probably like a really good favorite for me. So you get a little sweaty, you get to tax a little bit of movement and then also like just critique your form too. So if you miss pick a bag, it's not going to go very well. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. So did you, you watch the sandbag loading, the, the sandbag to shoulder event at the CrossFit games or unless I, I would assume you went back and watched it. Oh yeah. I was watching it. <laughs> what did you, what did you think of that? Because you know, these are um, a lot, a lot of these athletes had never done that before. It's something strongman athletes do with some frequency. What did you think as like, someone looking at someone who trains that looking at these very fit athletes, maybe doing it for the first time. I thought they all did fantastic. I really paid close attention to the girls that are like, like my size and just saw their technique and like how they did it, you know, and, and strongman, we wear so much like a supportive gear. Like we're in elbow sleeves, wrist wraps, knee sleeves, sleeves on top of that, a sleeve for our head. Who knows? Like we just wear it all. And to see these athletes only use like a Velcro belt, you know, to get some of this stuff done was just insane to me. You know, it just shows the pure athleticism that they have um, and just the grit, just having to sit there and fight it for a minute. Like, that's tough. <laughs> like, I've been there. It's tough. It feels like, yeah, it feels like it might, it feels like a five-minute lift sometimes yeah. because you're like, every part of that just feels it's, it's agony and it's just like, it's like holding a plank, time slows down, but even worse because you have to gradually move it up your body so it gets worse and worse and worse. Exactly. And that, that 
there's a, a little tipping point where like you're either going to lose it or you might lose an erector in the same process. <laughs> yeah, you might you might lose a ligament. You might lose something. You have to make that that calculus in your in your head. I want to zoom out a little bit and and obviously you're a little bit you might be a little bit biased because you are a promoter of contests and you work with a promoter of contests what do you think the sport of strongman can do or needs in the coming years to grow even more because since we were talking before we started recording about how long barbed has been around about six and a half years and the growth of the sport from 2016 to 2022 has been astronomical and that's not just on you know the men's open the guys at world's strongest man side that's on the women's side that's in the lighter body weight categories it's in all the divisions what do you think the sport needs in order to continue that growth moving forward i think the biggest thing um right now is just more people willing to suck like there's so many times you'll see people not sign up for a contest or an event because they don't think they can do that mm. in eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, you know, and promoters put so much time, effort, money into this stuff and to get 30 people show up, you know, we don't get in this to make money by any means. We take a loss on every single event that we do, but it's to grow the sport at the end of the day. And it needs people in order to do that. So it's okay to suck. It's okay to zero an event. It's one out of the five or one out of the four. And I think if more people were more open to let's just see how it goes versus like I have to be able to nail every single thing before I sign up, I think it would make the sport even better because then you're going to have real athletes like that hit those personal best on the platform that everyone can cheer for that actually makes the sport even more fun. But you got you to gotta be okay to suck a little bit. Yeah. And also there's something to be said about a comp competition experience kind of grabbing people and sucking them in a little bit more. Right, because it's fun to compete, and it, it in, a, in a very niche sport like this, you're going to meet like-minded people. You might have more fun off the field of play, just hanging out with people, grabbing beers after, like just hanging out after, making some friends. And I, I have the feeling that if more people competed, even if they were at the novice level, the, they would like get bitten by the bug a little bit more and really want to go after it a little yeah. bit more. Our next show, it's actually next weekend. It's the biggest show we're going to put on probably for some time, um, but we're actually hosting it in a circus tent. We are taking Strongman back to its roots and um, actually hosting it in a live circus tent with some circus performers and performing in between the events. Um, so we're trying to make it not only a really fun contest, but a spectacle as well, you know, that not only the public would love to see, but their friends and family that spectators really enjoy to watch. So we're really excited about that one. Is the final event fighting a clown? It is not, but there is a clown on site. <laughs> he will be there. But that's why, like, the whiskey barrel squat's going to be involved. Um, we've got some other, like, the circus dumbbell is in that contest. And we've got, we're doing a car deadlift and a different variation of deadlift that no one's really ever done because it's a pretty new implement to the sport. But we're just trying to make it as fun as possible, especially for some of these people's first time. This is going to be one of those, like, man, I hope the next one you do sick, like, you know, makes up for it. You know, we didn't just burst your bubble on the first one that not all contests are done this way. And I think that's going back to that original question of what could the sport use? It's like really good promoters, people that don't do this for money, that don't do it to pad their pocketbook, that try to give back to the sport um, in any way that they can by at least creating a space for people to compete. Did you all partner with a circus or did you find these performers like separately? So one of my I coach on the side as well. That's my midnight job. Yeah, I was gonna say because two jobs, three jobs is not enough. That's, <laughs> clearly, 
but I do coach and actually one of my um, athletes, her name's Simone. She owns a circus along with her husband. So they're a traveling circus. They travel the nation. Um, they do all sorts of shows, all sorts of bits all around. And they're making a stop in our town next weekend to actually perform the night before. And then we buy them out on Saturday to use their tent and their helpers to spot and load. <laughs> do they have a strong man or strong woman in the circus? It, well, not as like in a not actually as an event, but she actually performs multiple roles in that circus. She's a trapeze artist. She does aerial stuff. She unicycles. She emcees it. Um, so she wears very many hats or very many circus hats, I guess, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> what it seems to me like that has fallen out of favor. So I have been to the circus a few times because I'm a well-adjusted adult uh, in, in my life. No, circuses are a lot of fun, but. I don't think I've been and ever seen like a circus strongman or strong woman like you might have stereotypically seen a hundred years ago mm -hmm. in, in, in the circus. Is that because they're all competing in your events? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> or they're like real strongmen that like have to go lift at their gym and not into like a circus tent. I'm not sure. Uh, but some of those like old school pictures that you see and um, that if you just Google strongman, that's what you're going to get. You see a guy in a leotard holding a like dumbbell over his head. I literally have one like tattooed on the back of my arm, like, <laughs> you know, and you, that's what you see. And that's what you, that's what people kind of think about when they think about the circus for the first time, which is kind of ironic that they've kind of moved away from a couple of those things, probably just for safety. That's what I would assume it's for. <laughs> Let's see this thousand pound brick hurt someone, hopefully not. And replacing that stuff. <laughs> yeah. The liability might be expensive there. See, I, I live in Brooklyn and Brooklyn has its own, history of strongman culture, which is on the Coney Island boardwalk. It was a lot of feats of strength, but it was a lot of like bending coins and mm -hmm. bending hammers and wrenches, a lot of like grip strength stuff. So the Coney Island strongman is like its own sort of thing, a little bit less of like the giant dumbbells and lifting up elephants and shit like that. That's like um, superhuman tricks almost. <laughs> yeah, it's like superhuman tricks or it's like, uh, it's, I don't know. I met David Blaine once and he was bending coins and I was like, and everyone was really like impressed. And I was like, bro, that's not a magic trick. Like I read about strongman. I've seen, I've seen that. Um, but like, that's, that is kind of something that they still do on the boardwalk occasionally. And they have some people who have like kind of inherited that legacy. So it's interesting to me to see that that has been decoupled from circus culture now, but maybe this is where it kind of all comes back together. Maybe that's like, that's Maybe. what I'm hoping for. Depending on how this one goes, we want to make it like an annual thing and hopefully make it like an Arnold qualifier where they could go compete at, they could go compete at the Arnold the next year if they, if they make it in the top. Um, but just bring more of that old school stuff back and give amateurs a really cool venue to compete in, you know. I think you should require folks to compete in leotards just to some, some already are. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Le leopard print leotards, of course. Yeah. I, I have a, allowed, uh, not the strictest dress code, I guess. I still want them to wear the contest t-shirt because it's very cool. Um, but I am, if they want to compete in a leotard, have at it. <laughs> what do you think over the past few years, in your involvement in Strongman over the past few years, do you think there are any trends that have not been super positive or things where you're like, hey, I don't necessarily see that as the best for the sport? Well, I mean... You know, there's um, a gaming aspect to some of these contests mm. and such, which, I mean, as a good competitor, you learn how to do in the beginning. Um, but what I was told by one of my first coaches, and I'll never forget it, she goes, you need to be better about being mean. And I was like, huh? Like, what? I'm not a mean person. You know, I, I go to contests to like meet other people and mingle and, and like learn more about the sport and get some more friends. And she's like, sometimes the girls 
are mean. That's just like kind of how it is. They like to game it a little bit more. You've got to like learn how to warm up on your own or, and be a little bit more aggressive with how you compete those days, M- more like in the, in the bigger level mm. stuff. Now, on the local level, it's a little bit different, but I think something that is not the most positive is this kind of like dog eat dog. Like, I'm not going to tell you my opening numbers or anything like that, or I'm not going to help you warm up or I'm out for me, me, me versus like the end of the day, you're competing with a bunch of people and that's what it takes to get warmed up correctly. And that's what it takes to like have a positive competition experience, you know, is helping other people out. So what if you, if you were to play mind games with a competitor, who would you want to get into that scuffle with? Oh, I don't know. Um, who would be your arch nemesis if you had one? Uh, in strong man, oh man, you know, like it's she. She's one of my friends, but we have have this rivalry back and forth where she's beaten me, I beat her, you know, and we've gone back and forth for a couple of years. Um, but one of my good friends, Christine, she's the one that like oh, well, at Worlds last year. I was like, okay, I'm thinking in my head, like, these are, these are my better events than her. I'm t- a little bit taller. So these benefit me a little bit more. And she was for sure that I was going to beat her in those events. So we were, we were neck and neck where she, I was seventh place and she was sixth place going into the last day. And it was just a point or two between us. And she ended up beating me in one of my like token favorite events. And it's just been one of those like, okay, I'm getting her back next time. Next time we compete, I'm beating her. So she's my arch nemesis, I guess, because <laughs> I beat her in our last contest. But we're going against each other again in a month or so. So we'll see who who prevails. Well, we'll have to get this. You know, we record these ahead of time, but I'll have to publish this in the next couple of weeks just so she can <laughs> listen. You can send it to her and be like, hey, I'm coming for you. Eyes on the prize. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Hannah, where is the best place for people to follow along with you, your training, upcoming competitions, and your work in the sport? Yeah, so I'm on Instagram. It's just at Hannah Coldiron. I don't have an H at the end of my uh, first name, but it's just my first name, last name on Instagram or Facebook. That's where I post a lot of my stuff, a lot of my training. Um, We also have a... um, Um, like a retail brand that we post a lot of our upcoming contests and designs that we've done. And that's going to be Depth Before Dishonor Squat Company on Instagram. We've got a website, all that good stuff that people can follow along and see what crazy contraptions we're coming out with for the next couple of events and stuff like that. But we um, we pride ourselves in making a lot of our stuff for our contest or knowing a really good welder that makes it for us. (laughs) But we want to bring something new to every contest that they haven't done before and, and make it really fun every time. Hannah, I super appreciate your time. It's been great getting to know you. Wishing you the best of luck in training and leading back, leading up to the competition. Uh, and thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you.